Welcome, Reanimated fans, to this week's podcast. I'm H.A. Conrad, coming to you from Brooklyn, along with my intrepid co-host, Stuart Tiffin, and our intrepid guest co-host, Kyle Diaz. Hello, gents. How are things? Hi. Morning. Morning. Uh, so, so today, we're going to talk about episodes two and three of All of Us Are Dead. And we have a couple of news items um, to get into, nothing too crazy, but that's probably good since it takes us a while to get through all of this content. <laughs> so, so what's what? What's what's new in your world, Stuart? I mean, you know, you, I, I could hear you smiling as you asked that question. As I am podcasting from under the veil of COVID-19, I got it. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's happened. I'm, an, I'm one of the infected. I'm okay with it. I, I wish I hadn't gotten it, but... Um, now I have. <laughs> and part of me was relieved, but part of me when I was in bed for 17 hours on Friday was certainly not feeling relieved. Uh, but I will say, uh, get your vaccine and booster, folks. Yep. Imagine yep. how much worse it would have been. At least that's what was going through my head, too. It was like, this is really annoying and sucks. And I feel like garbage. But um, at least I'm not on a ventilator. On the plus side, it's a chance to really earn your intrepid uh, you know, uh, badge or your intrepid uh, description. So yeah, um, <laughs> pushing on through. It. He earns Pod- it every podcasting day. through it. He, and- he earns it every day. He earns it every day. <laughs> oh, H.A., you're too kind. But let's also just hope that the, the virus does not become a Pontypool virus and become infectious through sound. Mm, that would be really horrible. <laughs> But uh, while you were you were just uh, off for a second, Stuart, Kyle and I were saying, like, I have very mixed feelings. Like part of me is like I'm fully boosted and be I almost like what you were saying, almost would it be a relief? But I don't really want to get it either because it sounds miserable. So you never know um, which which version of it you're going to get. Like a lot of people right. are still getting the completely asymptomatic. And you don't, do you want to roll those dice and be the one who, I don't know if you can still get long COVID if you're vaccinated and boosted. You I don't can. think you can. Ugh. You can, actually. Well, yes. yeah. So That's it's not no worth good. it. No good. Uh, so anyway, I'll continue to be, you know, cautious, but um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how the rest of the, the months here go with the Omicron. Um, the numbers are way down, but they're still, again, at a very high level if you like compare it to last year. So, um, but, but, you know, I'm glad it sounds like you're on the other side. Is that right? Ish. I mean, I don't know how this thing progresses. I definitely had a worse day than I've had uh, the last two, but Mm. this thing also comes at you from funny directions. Um, And I'm talking about poop. It's a weird, it's a whole weird element. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's terrible. (laughs) This is the kind of stuff we talk about on this pot. No, I'm kidding. All right, we're done. I'm done talking about it. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we get into the news and then then head off into our into our discussion of all of us are dead. Um, so we have some some tales of the Walking Dead casting items. Um, some pretty uh, heavy hitters in terms of uh, cast. So we've got uh, Anthony Edwards, who's been announced. Parker Posey. Um, uh, Terry Crews, Poppy Lou, uh, Jillian Bell. I mean, there's like, that's a pretty crazy, like grouping already. So that's kind of a good, that's kind of a good sign. I'd say, I Um, think the, uh, the Gimple also makes, uh, hints that this is just the first round of announcements. So there might be more coming. 
But honestly, Anthony Edwards, of all the actors that you were going to tell me were going to be in Walking Dead, I'm like, no way is Goose or I forget his doctor name from ER. Uh, and honestly, hasn't probably been in a lot of stuff that I've seen recently. Um, but I, I can hardly imagine him being in in a post-apocalyptic setting. It seems very out of character. Hmm. So, you know, so we shall. Uh... Are you guys not familiar with his work? Oh, yeah. Very familiar with his work. I mean, come on. Um, and you know, there's some, some good, like directing chops kind of people sort of being associated with this too, which is, um, uh, Haifa Al-Mansur. And so I don't know if you saw, um, Motherland or anything like that, but she, and then we have a, a Picard, uh, Deborah Campmeyer, a, a Picard director in there. Um, this is like so, a self-contained stories week to week kind of thing, like an anthology. Each one's yeah. a bottle episode. It yeah. sounds like. Yeah. Which I kind of like, actually. So yeah, I think that's a really good way to move the universe forward at this point. Yeah. You know, considering how much lore they already have from the other two two series. I'm also pretty excited to see Parker posing this. I don't know if either of you watched the Lost in Space kind of. Yeah, she's um, amazing in that. She's really, really good in that. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I I'm excited about all of this. She, she has to play a villain because that's kind of her sweet spot, her I think. Well, she's got that face that just like sneery thing that she does so well, and and she plays a really good weird villain in Lost in Space. I think she kind of makes that show. Man, ever since Dazed and Confused, she's been doing that stuff, uh, mm -hmm. and she's been nailing it. So yeah. Oh, and don't forget Best in Show, one of her best roles. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Uh, and Terry Crews and Jillian Bell have both mostly worked on comedies. And so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Terry Crews has that massive physicality. I guess he could he could do whatever. Uh, but Jillian Bell, I've only seen her do real deadpan comedy. And so I'm kind of curious to know how she will how she will adapt to a horror role, too. Hmm. I'm not yeah. familiar with Poppy Liu's work. Um, she's been in like, uh, like she was in Better Call Saul and, and Law and Order, like special victims and that kind of thing. Um, but I have not seen her in anything, you know, other than those things that I can recall. Um, so um, I, have a, I have a, not to just like totally throw us off on a tangent. Um, but, but what do you both peg as like the beginning of the modern zombie revival? Like, because there were there was basically no zombie media for a long time, and like, what do you think was like reestablishing pop culture moment for for zombies in the you know early to mid two thousands? I think it was two things. Mm -hmm. This is my take, and it was uh, twenty eight days later. Yep, that's what and I would it was the two thousand four Dawn of the Dead remake the by Dead. Zack Snyder, and it and was I those think... those two together. I think we, yep. neither one of them was responsible for it by themselves. They weren't respond, And then I'd also have to say that the Walking Dead graphic novels really took off, um, you know, so that sort of after that, after 28 Days Later, obviously, but um, I think that that all that stuff kind of together. But I think specifically the idea of the fast zombie really just stirred everything up. Those are both really, really good takes. I was thinking about it because this reminds me of um you know the self-contained nature of it is kind of world war z the book-esque mm -hmm. and which we've never gotten a good adaptation of and and which was kind of the first piece of zombie media that i ever really remember loving and being kind of like obsessed with and so 
I'm excited for it for, for that reason. If they can kind of get some good self-contained storylines going. And for me personally, like that was the thing where it was like, oh, like this is a piece of zombie related stuff that's that's going huge. Although both 28 Days Later and Day of the Dead and um, or Dawn of the Dead and the Walking Dead stuff all, all predated. Yeah. So. And I mean, you know, World War Z, I, I also really loved that. But to me, that was kind of a continuation because I was already reading the graphic mm-hmm. novels at that point. And I mean, definitely 28 Days Later was sort of like when i saw dawn of the dead i'm like oh look at what you did (laughs) stealing from from 28 days later but you know uh, but that is really where i feel like things just started to kind of snowball or just become a little bit more you know it it was sort of like it gave people permission to really um explore the the genre more and in a different way than the romero type storytelling so um but anyway but not a tangent, Kyle. We're always happy to uh, wax on about our beloved genre. Yeah, and our <laughs> beloved 28 Days Later, since we, I think when we talked about it, we reviewed it for like four hours was, or something. It was crazy. at least, it was as long as the film was our review. Yeah, it was silly. Um, but yeah. Um, and then, uh, but back to news items. Do you want to talk about the next? Uh, let, let's talk about some NFTs. Do you want to talk about that? Well, okay. Does it, uh, raise your hand if you even really know what an NFT is. Um, oh, I know what it is. But I mean, ridiculous. yeah, but if it, yes. So I think there's just as much vitriol around NFTs as there is excitement. And so I find it very interesting when people are like, yeah, and here's a press release to announce our upcoming round of NFT releases linked with our IP because you're going to anger a lot of people by saying this. I don't know. But AMC is partnering with an NFT producer to sell NFTs that are related to this uh, final season of Walking Dead. So, you know. Well, uh, maybe they can all sell it to each other and drive up the price. Loosen the strings on your digital wallets uh, and buy those JPEGs or whatever they actually are. are. Those unique ones and zeros. Yeah. Yeah. Um... But 21st anyway. century beanie baby craze. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there's um, nothing to hold on to at the end of the day. Right. Um, but but lastly, I do think we need to let you talk about this, Stuart, since it seems as if this came out at an opportune moment for you in your, your time of need. Well, okay. Yeah. So once I was able to get out of bed and didn't have a splitting <laughs> headache, I was able to focus on one of my great passions, which has become Dying Light 2, uh, which came out on February 4th, I think. Yeah. And uh, Dying Light 2 is this game I've been talking about on this podcast and it's been pretty fun. Uh, there's a lot of reviews out there and I'm sure AJ, when you were looking for zombie news, you were like, Dying Light 2, get out of my news feed. I want to read about real zombie stuff. Yeah, that was all that there was pretty much this this week. So people, but that's all right. I mean, it's good. It means that it's selling and people are paying attention to it and writing about it and I like that. And it's, it's a, a graphically very immersive game. It's a lot of fun. The day-night stuff is just as day-nighty as it was before. Terrifying. I have these like visceral moments in my computer chair where I'm like leaning forward because I can feel the zombies right behind me chasing me. And there's like a little distance counter. It's counting down in the corner of my screen. I'm like, oh my God, they're getting closer. And I'm leaning into my monitors. It's um, it's one of those. So I, like, I like to imagine you doing this and then like, you know, grabbing a bite of a bagel as you just like, you know. 
well, keep just focused on on skiing. It's it's that, and then taking a squirt of Afrin currently. But oh. yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's not a good scene over here. Um, but the game is extremely immersive, like I said. And I don't know if you remember, I said that you can also like align yourself with factions and the choices that you make will affect the um, ecosystem and the, the look and feel of the city that you're in. And so I've chosen to align myself with the um, the authoritarian peacekeepers. And uh, I have a feeling it's gonna, it's going to go it's going to go badly. Um for the people of Villador, but uh, we will keep the zombies out with an iron fist. That's that's my take. Sweet. Uh, so, do we want to get into it? I think we should. All right. So, full. You know, this is just a not full disclosure, I guess, but just uh, for whatever reason, my my Netflix or something with Netflix with episode two is going a little wrong. So, indeed, I did see the second teacher's conference, but thought it was part of the prior episode. It was not. But There's I some did issues think- with that scene anyway, honestly. That, that scene kind of indicates that some of the teachers have been seeing stuff that we don't see them see, if that makes right. sense. Um, but anyway, sorry for the confusion in the last uh, recap, but... Well, we'll get you I there, H.A. We'll but I there. did miss the first minute and 15, so, so you two should take this away in terms of the opening, and then we'll get into it. Kyle, what were your impressions of the first, uh, the opening scene, which I thought was quite heartwarming for the first 30 seconds? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, one thing that I think we'll talk about throughout this, uh, these couple of episodes is that tonally, this show is all over the map. I, I cannot pin it down because like sometimes it's kind of like a goofy, almost Shaun of the Dead-esque like comedy. And then sometimes it's just like brutally like uh you know disturbing and visceral and so um yeah i i i kind of liked that opening like larping scene and then you know they kind of cut to real life and the guy's got the cone on his foot and then we get cone foot zombie for a few minutes which i thought was very amusing and and i'll admit i was wondering where the heck he came from so (laughs) this helps um and i am sad that i i'm gonna try it again i did try rebooting and it just seems to be this episode that something's up with but um and i missed the larping scene come on Um, Uh, yeah it's it's larping light for sure but it's still it's fun they're they're basically just waving around some some sticks and he's he's got a a cone cone. yeah um but but conefoot zombie was definitely was definitely i thought like kind of goofy and hilarious uh but um but then we just get into some other stuff that's just so dark and it's it's maybe it maybe it'll it'll click at some point but for now i just feel like i'm getting kind of like tonal whiplash from it but okay I kind of feel like it's a little deliberate. I did notice this too, Kyle, and I feel like it's their way of lightening the really dark stuff and so that you're not taking it all too seriously, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, in addition to sort of the the weird, and it's not quite slapstick, but it is humor in a like really dark humor, but it is humor. Um, just even with like some of the romantic things and the things that honestly... I don't know that people would really be worrying too much about if they're getting like (laughs) eaten or fear of being eaten. Um, But I feel like it's somewhat deliberate to keep you a little bit unsettled, honestly. Um, I'm taking my cues from the music in terms of like, yeah. yeah, Well, the music is also so strange. Like there's some. (laughs) (laughs) When when it turns jazzy or or like there's some like 
some like funky blues music going on. I'm like, all right, everything's gonna be fine. Even though like they're, when they're in a, when they're, they're in a hallway. Down, when yeah. they're coming down the this is later in the episode, but they're coming down the like makeshift uh fire hose yep. uh, uh, thing. And the music is just like dunk dunk. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> ridiculous. Like, Almost like Seinfeld music. Yeah. Um but that's it, it lets you know that there's nothing to be worried about for right now because you will have to be worried later. So just buckle up, you know. Uh but yeah, I, I but we're going to get to the scene where Daisu picks up the door 30 times. But yep. honestly, like it seems like that. They just kind of also have you going, yeah, what is this show? Yeah, uh, this is great, but I'm also confused. Um, but, but we plunge pretty quickly into the super impressive oneer and an immersive, um, you know, just long, long tracking shot through the cafeteria, which is oh, awesome. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Can we ask the most important question about this shot is, how many of these actors were injured in the, especially once the sprinklers go off and they're running around and in the background of these scenes, they're still moving with a fair amount of speed. And there's a lot of sharp edges. Like, don't you feel like somebody must've fallen and whacked their face on a Well, it's not just that, but there's some, like the floor is clearly really wet and slippery and they're falling all over the place, but also just some of the contortions. I mean, Look, it's an incredible scene, but I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, oh man, I think someone clearly like got injured in this thing because they're also all running into each other. Um, and so, you know, but really there could be there could be lots of things that we're not seeing here too. You know, they could the people in the background could be filmed on a green screen and digitally added in later. They could be slightly what they used to call like under cranking, uh, but now it's probably just done digitally where they're subtly speeding up the- a little bit. I think um, they are sped up a little bit, but still yeah. it's a lot of people to be choreographing in this way yes. and they and do a great job. And I would I love to know how many times they had to shoot it. Like I, I you know, yeah. they're just the main folks who are kind of front and center and there's probably some hidden cuts here and there in like whip pans and stuff, but um, you know, it, it, it's still just an incredible- incredible feat it's a it's a really immersive way to show the pandemonium that's erupting around right and i do especially like even though i'm still having a lot of questions about the timeline of how and when people get from when they're infected to when they really like flip um still have many questions about that it still seems to be applied unevenly but um I do like the sort of transformation, the whole like back bending thing that they do <laughs> and they do it really dramatically in a couple, in several scenes in this, in this episode. But like the one I'm thinking of here is especially like the, the girl who sort of like gets like spun out with Anjo and then you see her transform and it's just like really impressive contortion stuff going on and acrobatics and, all sorts of things um, with a massive cast and, and they're all doing kind of crazy things. Um, I really, that, I really loved the fight choreography and all of the, the effects in this. I think they're really amazing. Yeah. Gotta say mullet, mullet bully really held his own in this. Oh, yeah. scene. Um, oh. Like whether it's with trays, whacking people, he actually stabs a girl on a the like, fork. He goes fairly quickly to stabbing. I think that mullet bully obviously right. is we, we identified his, him his as name is his name is Guinam and he is just he's really great in the fight scene, but just continually can, he's a dick 
He's he, like a total he's dick. the world's worst person for yeah. even in places where he totally doesn't actually even need to be. Yeah. He's just throwing people into zombies. Uh, but yeah. the thing I kept noticing and going back to as I'm watching this scene unfold and the and once they escape the cafeteria is Chang San and Anjo Anjo, Anjo. Mm-hmm. and uh the last scene we had with them was her saying to him you're not really my friend and you don't you know like you don't care about me. And then everything he's doing to save her life in the next couple of scenes. And she saves his life once too with the fire extinguisher. But it's, it's just like, to me, I'm just like looking at this going like actions speak louder than words. The guy's a doofus, but I mean, come on, Anjo, pay attention to what's going on here. We're going to get there over the course of this discussion, but like there's really stiff competition for worst human being in the groups of people that we're following so far. (laughs) I would say it's between um it's, it's definitely between Green Nam and uh Lee uh who is it? Uh Lee Nayeon. Um okay, but, Nayeon. but is is, is Jung Sen that's the that's the girl who um No Chang Sen is Chan San Chicken. He's the uh, yeah. he's oh, the okay, male okay. No, no, lead after Bear Suit. Yeah, yeah, no, no, Nayeon is Nayeon the, is the worst. Yeah, Pink, she's uh, the worst. She's like she basically like almost almost kills Chang Sen by you know, needing like a motivational speech to to get up after right. her friend fell out a window. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, but anyway, yeah, there's there's lots going on. Um, but I think we, um, if I'm being kind, can say, well, he's in a survival situation. I'm not definitely not e- excusing it, but you know, I do think that that you need to have some villains, and he plays a really good Mullady villain. He's definitely a villain. When he stabs that girl, he gets blood in his mouth. And I wonder if we're going to see that that's a, an issue at any point. Probably not, because I think So, he's... okay, so there's two. So I noticed that too. And then in the next episode, somebody else gets like really hit with blood in the face. And so I have to, you know, that's that's a question I have about, again, the timeline and how people get infected so So maybe that will couple couple things because i'm always like really interested in the mechanics of the of the turning so i i make a lot of note of this stuff so it doesn't seem like getting the blood in your mouth turns you it has to go like right into your bloodstream which i actually kind of buy like your stomach and mouth are not a very hospitable place not all germs can enter you that way um and then the turning speed seems to be determined by two things and one is i think how close to the brain you're bitten so people who are bitten on their hands or extremities seem to turn a little slower and like the size of the bite and how much stuff is transmitted from it um and then the second part is how afraid you are and that goes back to like the the kind of like uh the i don't know vlog entries that we're seeing from uh the teacher who kicked this whole thing off by extracting the mouse DNA. Um, right. he, he talks a lot about how this is activated by fear. And so if you're in a highly stressful, fearful situation, you seem to turn faster than if things are relatively calm and there's a lot of not, not a lot of noise and, um, and you don't really know what's going on around you because you've been sedated or whatever. So, right. But it still doesn't. And beyond Chan, the, the teacher dad, um, this, the thing I'm still wondering about, because we saw that his son, was able to like you know he kind of went zombie mm-hmm. probably but then he came he scared, back but then he came yeah. back and so we haven't really at least i don't think we've seen anybody do that so maybe that's just because he was patient zero um but 
that is something I'm wondering about, but maybe, you know, we'll, we'll see more of that later, but you that kind was... of see a little bit of that with patient beta, uh, the girl who the original girl zombie at the school, hmm. uh, because she kind of goes catatonic and sleepy until she ends up in that MRI during this episode. Right. She doesn't. She's... A fantastic scene, which we should discuss. We will get there. <laughs> yeah. First, first, there's a, a pretty, um, fraught race to get into the homeroom classroom uh yep. from both chong san and anjo and namra and bear sue they both go in different different ways Fresh. which i thought was kind of enjoyable um but it's these are great scenes to show just the chaos on the campus uh like being out is being outside worse than being inside i guess it must be because everybody's trying to get back inside but then later they're trying to get out uh, so it's a bit of a catch-22 um, but like the pipe truck crashing and the the ladder climb up through the window, both of those are really fun. Honestly, you, you thought this episode might just be 70 minutes of running and screaming, H.A., and you weren't, you weren't too far off. Uh, but <laughs> they, they managed to make it enjoyable anyway, because it's interspersed with with scenes of like character development. And, and so I did appreciate that. It's, it's definitely enjoyable, but there's, there are definitely parts where I, I was just really exasperated. And I think I was trying to sort of pin down, like, I know that they're kids, but they're not stupid. And, you know, they, they make these comments like, oh, they can't open doors. And then they don't easily blockade the doors in a way that makes sense. Instead, they're like relying on kids to just like hold the doors. Um, which obviously leads to a pretty significant scene um, and the whole, you know, their, their escape to yet another classroom, but those doors are garbage though. Like they're garbage and there's so much glass and like, but they have desks, they have stuff to barricade, which they eventually do um, or tables and things like that. So I don't know. I'm really bothered by that specific thing, but whatever. I mean, they got to like have them sort of, you got to keep it going and to have the sort of 70 minutes of rain and screaming, you got to have to like have them move around a little bit. Um, I, I think there's, these are some, some pretty dang weak zombies. Like these zombies cannot push through very much stuff, even just a, a regular glass window, like right. they're having a lot of problems with it. So I, I I almost kind of wonder, I don't know exactly how standardized Korean like high school design is, but I kind of wonder if that was like starting with the environment and working backward <laughs> how strong your zombies can be, because I feel like zombies from like another form of media would have just totally destroyed every single every single barrier in this entire school because it's they're right. all flimsy and full of glass. Yeah. yeah. And also, I mean, the other thing about these zombies that, you know, they're even in the sort of escape that we see with these kids, you know, there's very easy ways that they could probably take a chomp out of people, um, even just like the fingers and things like that. And they don't do that. And so they're not in exactly as effective as you would maybe expect them to be only when it's convenient and they can secretly bite people in ways that you don't see and they don't react to, um, a la, um, <laughs> a la walking dead sometimes. Yeah, um, yeah. but you know, but I do, I thought that overall, I really loved this, this whole episode. I liked the, the sort of the different things and the different like things that they had to do. Um, you know, you've got this mayhem breaking loose on this campus and you're kind of like, well, what does the outside world think? And then you have the kids trying to basically reach, reach emergency services and nobody believes them. And well, they, and also this is where chunks and, uh, 
name drops train to Busan, right? Yeah. Like he's just like, yeah. And then as soon as Bearsu gets in the room, he's like, it's a zombie invasion. Right. Uh, and so I love that about this show that they're doing the, and, and you, you mentioned this last time, Kyle, that, like they are doing the aware uh, mm-hmm. approach to a zombie outbreak it doesn't mean that they necessarily know the rules of the lore and i think that they've subtly changed the target like the brain doesn't necessarily seem to be the place to kill these zombies either right, right? Yeah, and they kind of if you it seems like if you cause a mortal enough wound like the zombies are like basically normally killable because like uh there's one zombie that i can remember that just gets stabbed in the neck a bunch of times and loses a bunch of blood Mm-hmm. And then essentially seems to die. I think and it so might be the one, neck. I think the neck the one, might be the sweet spot. Yeah, mm-hmm. the mullet guy. That's what he does with the fork yeah. and the girl. And then also archery woman. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, ah, you're right. Yeah. Hari right also neck. does that. Um, and so I think, you know, I do like how they talk about their knowledge of zombies and the train to Busan thing is hilarious. So that's great. Um, and then, you know, so I, I like that they're, they're kind of have some sense of it, but the rules aren't exactly what they think. So that's, you know, that that's kind of a cool thing. Um, what else was I going to say about this whole uh, episode? Um, I want to, you know, I do want to say that the adults other than Ms. Park are just generally unhelpful. So that includes all the teachers, the principal, whose biggest thing was to try to like keep this under wraps. Um, but then we also have the coach. And so there is like a good tension between, you know, the authority of the adults and then what the, the kids are doing. And so like coach uh, Kang getting into the classroom and then them noticing that he's bitten is like a really incredibly like it's a stressful and scary scene. But it it is also this kind of a cool thing because the kids are like, nope, you should get out of here now. <laughs> What's well, specifically Isak, who's who holds the line and, and nobody yep. really voices once he starts getting violent, then, yeah, the, the, the guys get involved. But yep. this is a thing that these kids seem to have, which is just like paralysis uh, when they're faced with people. Uh, well, in this case, they're just confront, confronting him because he was lying about or at least not acknowledging the fact that he was bitten. But over and over in these two episodes, somebody starts to turn and everybody stands around and watches. Right. Like that just keeps happening. And I feel like losing Isak, which we do in this episode, which is a which is a huge bummer. Um, maybe she was the only one who was willing to like speak truth to power or like to take action when she saw something that wasn't right. Uh, I do feel like losing her was a was a big was a big problem for this ensemble. Um, hopefully, somebody will grow to fill that gap, like because it does seem like that was needed. So the the kids are all hiding out in the classroom, and and Coach Kang or or Mr. Kang shows up. And one thing that I did like one little kind of subtle um, interaction uh, is that he shows up and he immediately just assumes control, and the kids yep. seem like so grateful to have somebody who's finally just like telling them exactly what to do because they can't reach any kind of consensus among themselves at all they just totally yell and fight and bicker and squabble about everything and so he shows up and he's just like block that door put these over here come on move this what are you doing standing over like and and like i think the kids are all really relieved to have that kind of like oh oh there's an adult here and it's finally like you know gonna help us figure out what what to do and then you know, almost immediately they notice the bite mark on his arm and that's what sets up the showdown. But I thought that was a nice little touch that like, you know, he, he, it kind of for just a two minute period is this like blessed authority figure who 
is is taking a load off their mind and then it's such a oh i think it's really crushing to them when he turns because it's like oh god even the teachers yeah you know can't can't help us and they're gonna have that same disappointment as they survive to escalate this up further and further and further through every level of kind of authority figure they they have so the police right. aren't and helping they even, i mean they even yeah. do a little like i don't know if you caught the little thing where they have the picture of because this is her like classroom they have a picture mix miss park and it's like she's watching you or something like that mm-hmm. like it's her photo and that sort of i feel like that is definitely um just an indication of how the authority the teachers work in this school and how the kids view them and that just totally gets destroyed um and and, and miss park will really let them down in the next episode yep. yeah, yeah. So he thinks she so, okay. Oh, interesting. Um, I, I do think the one adult that the show is setting us up to think is not going to fail the kids is uh, Anjo's dad, um, yep. the head of his little EMS EM, EMT team. Uh, well, at least not by the end of episode three. At least we we still have some hope for him. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. Otherwise, Coach Kang, the principal, have all been real um, letdowns. The gardener was pretty happy to stab a kid in the stomach earlier with his shears, which seemed a little bit cold blooded, but also probably justified considering he was eaten up just after that. Well, but we also see, I mean, even in the, um, uh, the, the whole scene with the archery team coming in, how um, Hari is getting sort of dressed down by the coach. Um, like he's shaming her because she's like, he's like, oh, you didn't even like hit this level. You're not going to go to college. You think it's competitive, whatever. And as they kind of like drive into the chaos that is the high school, um, you know, I don't know what happens to coach. I can't imagine anything good happens to him. Um, but, you know, we, we do see Hari later <laughs> and she's doing all right. So I guess she's like up to snuff, but, you know, I think that they, they are definitely giving this, like, there is this theme throughout the show that the adults are no longer, are not helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that's, I mean, I would say even, even the adults who mean well, um, Mrs. Park, for example, and, um, you know, and then uh, Johnson's mom, uh, like they're, they mean well, but they're not necessarily going to be able to help them out of this mess. So, um, yeah. so a lot of that still remains to be seen. Mrs. Park, I would say, is down, but not out by the end of episode three. We don't know. She might have some more to contribute. Maybe. But, you know, uh, she does contribute the the whole PA system thing, <laughs> which I thought was utterly unhelpful. It's like a weir- a very strange speech. It, it um, came. It came a little too late. I don't know what happened between the attack of Conefoot and her making being able to make that announcement, but it was like thirty minutes of TV time went by, and mm-hmm. clearly everybody everybody was turned, who could be turned by that point. Um, of course, that scene is amazing, but it comes after our our heroes of Homeroom Two Five have to make their break from their classroom because Coach Kang and another girl have been infected and are zombies now, and so they have to leave the classroom and make their run through the hallways. Uh, here we get to see Bear Sue fight like 10 zombies off w- oh, with his bare hands. He's badass. He does a kick too. off of the wall. It's great. Uh, he's, he's just amazing. I mean, they lose him in this fight, not lose him, lose him, but he doesn't make it into the science lab with them. But it's just an incredible series of, of scenes, uh, not least of all because Daisu does this. Daisu's the big guy. Yeah. Uh, and he has the most amazing reaction faces to, yep. to a lot of stuff. He's quickly he's, becoming he's, one, he's of one of my favorites. Yeah. I think he's yeah. actually my favorite of the survivors so far. Yeah, I really uh, love he's him. awesome. But that's 
this shot or series of shots, I don't know if it was like a 10 camera shot or something of him picking up this door and running down the hallway with it. What, oh, were, your, so good. what were your reactions to this? I loved it. And this is, but this is also a little bit of what Kyle was saying is that there is a level of like, like physical comedy slap, like, cause it's not like, it's just, it's a little bit silly because it's like, there's just no way that they would make it, but you know, he's, he's just like, okay, we're just going to get up and we're going to get through this. And I do think he's one of my favorite characters too, because he just is unstoppable. And he's like, all right, well, I'm just going to ran through the ram through these 20 zombies and, and make like a path for everybody. And, you know, the other the other students are kind of helping with weird little windows, but he has a whole door. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's like a battering ram. And so and as I said, never mind the fact that they could all get their fingers bitten or they could go below and bite like. Okay. Um, and I do like, but I do like the choreography here. And especially when they get upstairs near the science lab um, and Anjo sort of breaks into it with a fire hose, which plays a key part later. Um, you know, I think that this was great choreography and I did like these scenes because it shows the characters like who they are a little bit better, I think. Um, and we really see like throughout this episode, who each of these people is. I mean, so we see Anjo. Um, we we definitely um, like see who uh, Lee Na Nayan is. Like basically all throughout this episode, she is constantly the one that's like, "Don't let that person in. Get that person out." Um, and we really see her true colors in the next <laughs> in the next one. But she is constantly this like horrible character um and then we see you know the sacrifice of others so i do think i liked this because it lightened things up a little bit but it also showed like it helped show who each person was and then we get into sort of the next episode and it just continues that trend i, I was mostly just like thrown by the uh bionic man style sh shooting of the door pickup in the run where they just do it <laughs> three or four times in a row and and the it's music like, it's, played over it the it, that and that's that's kind of what i was saying at the beginning about the the tone link consistency it's not just the like the writing or the actions of the characters or the little kind of comedy beats that they put in there it, it's like the actual production of the show and, and mm. you kind of take your cues about how seriously to take a piece of filmed media from how it's filmed and so like it would be weird if you were watching Downton Abbey and then all of a sudden somebody was just like running in super slow-mo across a field while ACDC was playing in the background like that would be weird that would be tonally inconsistent with the rest of the show which is very naturalistic and like you know kind of uh, uh sedate filmmaking and so like they go back and forth here between it being almost like kind of documentary style you're seeing everything exactly how it happens. And then there's just like moments of like, like just, uh, you know, kind of something you would expect to see on like a, like Peacemaker or something. And so it's just, it's just, it's, it's not bad, but it's just a little bit, it throws me every single time. And it's been throwing me since the very beginning when, um, you know, they had uh, that, that one or uh, kind of circling shot on top of the roof, which looked like it was out of like, you know, the matrix or something mm -hmm. and then cut straight from that to like, you know, just an entire rest of the episode that's essentially filmed like, you know, in a very kind of like uh, 
naturalistic style. So it's not, it's not a bad thing, but I do think every time it happens, it's a little bit jarring and it extends to the music choices that we already pointed out at some times. And there's just a little bit of like, like, was this directed by the same person? Like, is, is how I feel every time something so like that I, happens. I kind of feel like what you're talking about is a little bit more comic book style. Like, what they're why they're flipping back and forth from these things. And that's what it feels like to me. And that's what that specific scene feels like to me. And actually the one on the rooftop as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it's deliberate. And I feel like it is supposed to make you feel a little bit off kilter because you don't know what to do with it, right? Um, and I think because it is kids and they're they're trying, they reference, I mean, they're referencing Train to Busan. I think you're not supposed to take the whole world all that seriously. And it is supposed to be a little bit, it is supposed to be a little bit Shaun of the Dead, but also a little bit Train to Busan. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think it's it's a choice that they made to to keep it I don't know to kind of keep going back and forth and not that it because there are really serious and horrible themes as we're going to talk about um and but I think it's also to kind of lighten it up to some extent because this is like ultimately the kids and that's why we're also talking about their relationships and things like that in the middle of this horrible event What's kind of genre defying in the way that they are lightening it up, as you say, is that they're not using the genre typical shopping scene to lighten things up. Right. Right. There's still a zombie threat, but they're doing it through uh, cinematography and music and the way that they're shooting actually zombie fighting scenes in a way like it's it's a novel approach to lightening the mood in a zombie show, I would say. So that's been pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, so once they get into the science room, um, there's also a pretty funny laugh out loud moment where Desu's head gets grabbed by a bloody zombie yeah. hand when he's making one of his reaction faces. <laughs> that was very funny. It was... All right. I'll admit I did a jump scare at that scene because I wasn't yeah. fully it's supposed paying to be attention. Both. It's like a jump scare and laugh, right? Because he's, yeah. he's having his like moment of like, oh, wiping his eye and then suddenly he's getting grabbed. And you're just like, oh, my God, uh, it's pretty great. Um and we get to see what's going on on the roof where the two nerds are and they're, and she's being just such a huge downer. Yeah. Um, she's like, yeah, we're outcasts again. And I hope everybody dies. And, um, and then that's it. Like we don't, that's, we don't see them again for the rest of the episode. But I also, again, think that that's supposed to be kind of a ridiculous, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, like, like it's supposed to be a little overly dramatic and overly like, uh, like it feels to me like those two are going to end up ruling the world when this is all said <laughs> and done. This, yeah. Although I, my my main question is, I'm just looking at them and I'm like, gosh, you've been standing a long time. Like, don't you want to find a seat or like, you know, to, like that's that's a long time to just be standing in the in the sun like that with no shade. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think last time I had said, oh, you know, maybe we're going to see all these children maturing and all the petty uh, drama of high school is going to go by the wayside. And clearly you guys were right. I was wrong. Kids will be kids. Uh, we're going to have petty, petty stuff. Uh, also, it's a Korean zombie drama. So we're going to have some class struggle thrown in there, too. Uh, it'll be great. Um, outside the uh, the homeroom mullet mullet bully is in the is like throwing his first <laughs> shelter buddy out to die yeah this is such a short-sighted strategy <laughs> where he ends up having to fight them all at the end anyway right that was the thing that i was like uh you know you are throwing them out but then they're just becoming more sort of like 
more more people for you to have to deal with in the end. Um, but he's really awful and just, you know, just keeps throwing people out for fodder. Um, so, but again, he's mullet bully, so it's not totally shocking. Um, and again, the choreography with him under the sort of different tables is kind of cool. And just seeing like how everything's uh, like happening and continues to happen in the cafeteria area slash kitchen area is pretty good. Yeah. And um, even by the end of episode three, we haven't gone back to him and it's nighttime now by the end of episode three. And I'm, I'm curious if he's just been in there all day like, right. <laughs> since lunch until after dark, he's just been in the cafeteria kitchen uh, slaying bodies or maybe I don't know he's not going to be dead unfortunately because I think he's too established now right and then the bathroom kids the yes. kids that are hiding in the bathroom is the other sort of key little group um, introducing new characters which is which is interesting like they didn't yeah, introduce I gonna, everybody I was going to ask hey did, did we see like badass smoking chick um, smoking as in smoking a cigarette uh, <laughs> no <laughs> um, did we see her last week I, can't, I don't remember that I don't, I don't think, think we, did. we did I think this is a whole new group at least I think it is um, so this is um, you know uh, the the badass smoking chip chick is Mi Jin and then uh, Jun Xion is the guy stuck in the stall with Halim and then this whole thing is again exactly what you're talking about Kyle there's like beats in this that are incredibly tragic because obviously Halim is infected mm -hmm. and then you've got you know she's being like you know her friend is like okay well I guess I should come out of there because you're infected and then badass smoking chick is just like all right like keep her in there we're gonna die if we don't do this and they're like taunting each other and and Halim is like you're gonna be the first one I eat when I get out of here <laughs> and then we have her transformation scene which you know is just terrible so and then the killing scene itself has like weird beats of like kind of like um, a little Shaun of the Dead stuff. And then until she's finally taken out. But it's like this is this is also like a different way of, I don't know, just like in the closed quarters trying to like kill an infected person. Um, and then we learn more about the neck thing in this, I suppose, because of the arrow taking her out ultimately. Well, and a broom or a mop handle through the mouth out the back of the head would kill work. a zombie and almost every other zombie can. Yeah. I got to uh, say, I was really happy. I was like, finally, we get to see a zombie get freaking stabbed with something like this. <laughs> so yeah. far, nobody has been able to kill. They've been pinning them against the wall with desks. Yep. You know, they've been running away from them. They've been banging them with uh, with uh, fire extinguishers and throwing them out windows. But I was like, we finally get to see somebody actually just stab a zombie through the face with some improbably you know pokey sharp object and it, it was it was I, I can't believe we had to wait you know uh two and a half hours into this show to get that but i, I was happy to see it's it. interesting that they introduced these two archers and then they don't really do much else with them for the rest of these two episodes either yeah no that's true but, but i was I going to say but even the dialogue in the scene is like you know this is our friend especially like his friend that's turned and like you know this this is they're like being like die zombie bitch and like thing like the dialogue is like super weird and like not acknowledging the fact that this was like a friend of yours that you're now which is a pretty big contrast from and i mean maybe i don't maybe they're not like super good friends but a big contrast between what happens um with um with isak right so i don't know it's like that that's definitely kind of a weird uneven storytelling, I guess, or maybe it's just how the different characters react and they're going to show 
more with that later with these two. But yeah, I think Mi Jin is that kind of um, callous sort of character. Uh, her her big friend is much more uh, sympathetic toward his his uh, former right. friend. Uh, because yeah, we after this, I think we do go into the uh, Isak uh, is com- trying to comfort Anjo because she thinks that Bersu is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, she tries to get Jiang San to do it to comfort her, and then he's like, "Whatever, man. I'm not. It's not up to me who she's who she's into." Again, wrong. I'm sorry. I was wrong that these kids are not going to grow up and become less idiotic. Uh, some of the things he says in the next in this episode later are amazing to Anjo. Uh, so Isak goes to comfort Anjo and she's like, oh, don't worry about it. You're fine. Also, Chong Sen's so into you. Um, mm-hmm. And then they hold hands and that's when Anjo's like, oh no, your hand is cold. And then your nose is bleeding. And Isak then denies being bitten, even though she has a flashback where she completely remembers being bitten. And right. she must have blood on her leg where she was bitten, right? Well, not a fan of all the flashbacks. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, not a fan of all the uh, bite denial. I just feel like yeah. this is only making things worse for everybody. Like, let's see some people not deny being as uh, being infected. Yeah, and it's it's okay for her to just say, "Oh no," and pull up her like you know, you know, pants or whatever to show a bite mark on her calf. Like, I don't need to go back and see it in black and white that some zombie breaks through and sinks her, her teeth and it, it just feels yeah but that's the thing she's not wearing pants she's wearing a skirt so it'd be pretty obvious to everybody that she's bitten i think i thought she had sweatpants on under she her sweatpants maybe i'm forgetting but regardless i agree with you kyle i think it's like this this was the part that i was like okay if you know you got and i guess maybe that's what they're showing is that like no matter what in this we see this in the bathroom too with um with uh Hari, uh, not Hari, sorry, the Halim. Halim, um, where it's like, you know, they're scared. And I guess that's part of the thing. But I also think Isak cares about her friends and probably wouldn't do this. I don't know. And just generally, one problem that I had with this episode, one thing that we have not mentioned about this episode is it's like so long. Um, yeah. It's yeah. like, it's, I think, I think it's probably 90 minutes. Like it's, a, it's a very long episode. And, um, you know, I, it, it, the, the parts where they're fighting zombies are very, very fun, but I was kind of like, okay, let's just pick a setting and stay with it. Cause they're in one classroom and then they fight their way down the hall to get to another classroom and then they crawl out the window to get to yet another classroom. And it's just kind of like, I feel like, I feel like there was like some major red pen that could have been taken to condense a bunch of these into the same place because it it really felt like they were just moving between like very very similar uh look locations and and spinning their wheels for for a lot of the episodes so and the same theme like oh someone gets bitten they deny they get bitten all right yeah, what are we gonna do with them oh yeah <laughs> great now we gotta like do this next thing so i agree i think that could have been condensed quite a bit because we see it with the coach we see it with um uh, the other uh, the other girl that gets bitten by the coach um, and, you know, and then Isak. And mm-hmm. so so it's sort of like it, it does feel a little bit long on that end of things. Um, so I do think, though, that um, losing Bear Sue and Isak in rapid succession because Isak does get shoulder checked out a window again. It's Chang San acting to save Anjo's life. Uh, like we should not, you know, ignore the fact that he keeps doing this 
Um, but once, I just, once... Like, I just wanna, I just wanna point out that uh, 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 she holds. I'm sorry, I'm I'm blanking on Anjo. everybody's name. Anjo yeah, holds Isak's hand. Yes, for so long out that window, and I'm like, I, like a human is really heavy. Like there is no way you would be able to hold this like struggling, kicking, you know, uh, you know, now no longer human zombie thing out of a window for that long. And she doesn't even look like she's trying. She just like got, I was just like, that would be so hard. (laughs) So I I thought that was bordering bordering on ridiculous. And I think completely unlikely that she wouldn't have gotten bitten because she's trying like 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 Isak's trying to get her you know like he's like this entire time so I don't know maybe I could get that Isak is so powerful but we see that they maybe aren't so coordinated so I don't know that I fully buy that um but of all of uh Nayan's yelling and cajoling of her classmates even though she never does anything although in this scene she she throws chong san a, a stool that he can whack isak off with right. i was actually with her in this scene because she's like somebody do something throw right. her out the window and i'm like yeah. yes I, honestly Nayan, i'm with you here uh, and that that is eventually what happens but it takes you know it takes it's, a while to get there too long to get there for sure but the losing those two people in rapid succession for Anjo puts her into the, this catatonic state. And I thought that was actually kind of well done in, the sh- in this part of the show when uh, Chong San, they make the rope ladder or the hose ladder, which was also kind of an interesting and, and fun scene of getting that through the door and then making the loops. And it showed some teamwork finally between these kids. Uh, and then he's about to go down and like test it out because he's a brave leading man type, sort of, you know, not quite a bear suit, but close. Uh, and then he looks over at Anjo and he's like, she's barely there she's not going to go down unless i i need to go last as what yeah. i feel like is going on in his head his mental arithmetic is like i can't go first somebody has to stay here who will put Andre first right um and so i thought I, I actually really i thought that was a nice touch yeah i i agree and i did like the teamwork with the the rope it just took forever with all the weird music and all that stuff so um um and then you know it does take an incredibly long thing to get them all down this um but and they're reunited with miss park which is nice we have kind yeah. of our groups of survivors are starting to cluster desu's uh, joyous face when he hugs yeah her. when he sees there's pretty cute <laughs> honestly you like you looked at uh, gyeongsu which is um shang san's little buddy mm-hmm. uh going down that pose i i can only imagine how difficult and strenuous that is to do uh, i think that this high school must have a really good uh, physical education regime the fact that he's he's able to do it and then all those other kids make it down oh, the only one who seems right. to have an injury is the glasses kid who has yeah. a cramp um yeah. which is hilarious but uh i also thought that was that was kind of interesting that they were just able to yeah no problem nobody fell off the rope they've got enough red shirts they could easily have lost somebody doing that i thought that might have been actually been a good way to lose a kid yeah, that sounds callous, but uh, you know, a good way to lose a red shirt, anyway. Well, the the episode does end on a cliffhanger when you know the um, the zombies do eventually break in after uh, the very very long hype speech where he finally convinces her to to climb oh, down the rope, yeah. and then the last shot of the episode is uh, you know all of the zombies kind of rushing in and and pushing. Um, Chong San out the out the window in a way that makes it geom uh, like geometrically very improbable that he would be able to 
grab onto grab on. the rope, although mm-hmm. sometimes somehow he does. Yeah, his backward somersault somehow ends up back at the at the rope. Um, yeah. speaking of that speech, did did any of you think that that was just ice cold? Where he's like, "Come on, Anjo, let's go." She's like, "It's just that." There's nobody that I like anymore in the world. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. This was what I was thinking of when I was saying, you know, stiff competition because Anjo is just you, so oh, wow. horrible to him in this scene. Yeah. And it's like, it, you know, it, 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 your, your crush bear suit died and now you're like, life is over. Like, that seems a little, I mean, you know, she's struggling with shock. But then and his and response to that, Kyle, is no, people out here there are people who like your like dad you. yeah other, <laughs> people, dead. other people like you it's not, not me. me just let's just be clear it is not, not me, me but it's your dad so live for him like oh my god that was amazing and horrible and how repressed how repressed is chong sen right he just can't even admit that he even likes her even though they've been neighbors and have been like hanging out every day for their entire lives right uh, um, yeah and bear Su also has we we find out that he is alive uh, he's in the art room, and I think he makes a break for freedom and ends up on the ledge by the end of this episode. Yeah. And during Mrs. Park's announcements earlier, we also get to see a couple of little scenes. There's like three kids alive in the library on top of the stacks. They are screwed. Yeah. <laughs> the principal is alive eating like a protein bar under his desk, but there's a bunch of zombies in his office. And we see the dean of students, who's uh, the guy who was giving people demerits, and he's just kind of in a room and looking sad. Uh, I think those are all the people we get to see who are still and alive. Then, in and, and we see the effect of the noise, like all the zombies yeah. got around the PA system and all that. So that uh, gives a little bit of a hint about it. Um, but I think we should also talk about the hospital scene um, with our escapee, I suppose, that's sort of going to infect the rest of the town. Um, because I did enjoy that that whole thing tremendously yeah she so, folds in half she folds the wrong way yeah <laughs> it's great in the mri the, the tube like and you know like anybody in a hospital they're all like oh what's wrong until she starts like attacking everybody though i have to say if i saw somebody fold in half like that i don't know like and and reacting like exorcist style like i don't know maybe maybe not getting near their mouth would be would be my t- tendency um but there I do was think some- that i do think that like even as a even as a non-zombie the noise of an mri is extremely loud and disconcerting and unpleasant right. and so i i do like that that's that's like the noise that just drives her completely out of her mind right. is just you know and and causes her to essentially like contort her whole body into impossible shapes is this yep you know, horrible, horrible tube. And I have to say that the, I, I have to watch these with um, headphones on because my kids go to sleep early and we don't have enough like square footage to get space for me to watch TV out loud after they go down. And so I watch pretty much all my television on the big TV, but with headphones on. And uh, the sound design of this show is impeccable in a way that I find really, really hard to handle. Like, all of the biting noises are so good and like fleshy and crunchy and the cracking uh, (laughs) it's it's like it's really well done but it's so hard to take whenever anyone turns the cracking that happens is like really 
uh, just impeccably created for maximum discomfort. So many, many bushels of celery were snapped in the making of this show. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, Kai, uh, I, I also have to watch this with headphones just because my husband doesn't like these kinds of shows. So I noticed the same thing. And I was like, Ugh. like, like for some, especially like all the hospital scenes it was just pretty disgusting um and even when you know especially when they're biting into like a leg or whatever it's like you know somebody had a lot of fun doing this really excellent excellent effect i do like all of the brief scenes that we get into and i can't remember whether these come in episode two or episode three because i kind of watched them back to back but um the you know the virus is is starting to really escape into the outside world, especially post hospital. Um, and like the scene of like all the phones just starting to ring one after the next at the, at the police station and them kind of realizing like, Oh shit, like things are really starting to go down out there. And maybe these people aren't just prank calling us um, is, is a, a really good kind of like dawning horror uh, realization on those, on those uh, faces. So yeah, I, 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 do- I like that scene. I like that scene. I also like how Anjo is clever enough to know that, well, after their reaction um, to uh, Sean Sen's call that it's zombies and they're like, yeah, whatever. And she's like, all right, I'm going to call and I'm going to try to get home my dad. And she can't do that. And then she's like, OK, there's a big fire at the high school. Everybody come, you know, and, and they do, and that does sort of like um, cause the alarm to spread. Um but it also gives us a chance to be able to see like her dad is in the ambulance and he gets diverted away for another thing. Um, and we do see a little bit of like how it's already spreading throughout the city. Cause like, as he and his crew are going into the building, we see the woman kind of like start to like go up against the ambulance, maybe because of the noise it made. I don't know. But um, I liked those scenes that show just sort of what is happening in the rest of the outside of the school. Um, it kind of keeps it, a little bit more interesting um, well, episode three really shows us that yeah the city is is going to hell and in fact the i would say props to the authorities because they go to a level three disaster by episode three which is still the same day as the original outbreak it's still the afternoon right. uh they have the riot a massive riot police scene in this in this episode which i was really looking forward to from the trailer and um it's good and uh, they evacuate the whole city or they try to, but honestly, it's probably too late because this thing moves just too fast. Um, but yeah, so they're, they're, they're trying to stay ahead of this, but you know, like by the time uh, on Joe's dad gets told to relocate to outside the city, like he's, he's already in a room with a zombie. <laughs> like yeah. there's, He's probably not able to do that relocation thing as easily as they want him to. Well, and also she's a like the the woman like there's an assembly woman there, and so we see definitely the the whole theme of like class and and hierarchy happening here, um, and just the commentary that it doesn't matter. Like this this assembly woman and her staff are like, well, we should be evacuated first, um, while they're dealing with the aid that's like you know, and and we there are some again just like weird scenes with, you know, they have they've managed to like duct tape the aid up. Um, and we see just how the knowledge of what's what is happening is conveyed pretty quickly here. Um, but this is another part where the blood gets all in the mouth of one of the one of the guys that is on his crew and nothing happens to him, but something happens to the other one that gets a little nicked in the finger by the yeah. by the infected guy. So I do like how 
you know, it's showing, it's ramping everything up really, really quickly and seeing how everything's happening. So it's not just limited to the school. Um, but again, we're only in episode three, right? So I'm just, if we're already here in episode three, <laughs> like what is, I, I'm like, I, I have to wonder how it's going to be sustained. And I did not go ahead, so I don't know. Um, but I'm assuming it just gets more and more uh, crazy as, as this story theme. Yeah, the, the riot police are cool, but in reality, they're still not quite prepared for right. the you know situation on the ground. They're, they're still trying to mostly just intimidate and control instead of eliminate. So um, I think the, the police and military forces have got to get their act together in a, in a big way here. But we also know that they kind of don't because we see how it just sort of progresses. And we see it a little bit through the story of the student that left who is ill, who we find out is pregnant and hiding the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. um, we see that through her little journey, but also through Chian San's mom. Yeah. Um, you know, like, like, and see how they're experiencing it. And I thought that this was a really interesting and good way to show how the city's going to hell in a handbasket. Um, yeah, because her neighborhood is like pretty much normal, right? And at the, at the beginning of the episode, right. anyway, yeah. <laughs> and at the end, it's it's full it's full on badness. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> her little like she hears the news like, oh, there's a terrible thing going on, and her first instinct I, when I first watched this I was like, is she just piecing out and like she wipes out on her moped and then gets back on it again? I know. And I'm like, no, she's actually just trying to get to school. I thought she was like, oh, I have to evacuate. Bye, Mr. Guy who's hanging the sign on my shop. I know. <laughs> um, but really, she's, you know, and, and I think that the not that it's it's she's done this like addition where she's put John San's face on everything um, because that was not there before. <laughs> um, so, you know, so it's also easily identifiable later on in the episode that that's where the where the student goes with her baby. Um, but I did like that she's just sort of dedicated not sort of, she's completely dedicated to getting her son and is stopped by almost nothing except riot police to get to the school. Like, I really liked that story, but she does need moped driving lessons, I think. So, yeah, I, I, I was also first, like, yeah, poor Changsha, poor Changsan, like, I would be mortified. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like if my big, like, cartoonish, like, <laughs> you know, uh, face was plastered all over the front of my mom's chicken restaurant. So, and it's uh, not just the restaurant, it's on the moped, it's on like the mm -hmm. apron she's wearing, it's, it's on the bags, <laughs> like, it's everywhere. So, um, but she really, she's dedicated. So, there's that. Um, but, you know, I think that this episode really goes pretty dark. Um, like on on many levels so there's like two really horribly dark story thing storylines in this episode um, main one main one is with the kids in now the kind of like i guess it's like a recording like a recording studio i guess yeah, yeah. the broadcast place which and i guess is where the mrs park did her we, really we terrible to, pa speech we talked about the jump scare in the prior episode and that one didn't really get me but the one that was so easy to see coming yet did really get me was the fire hose zombie which the fire hose breaks the window this is kind of what sets off the action in that classroom mm. um, and then uh, Chong San goes over to kind of see like why it's waving around so much and then he's like oh it's just the wind and then blah, the zombie like falls down from you know tangled up in that 
in that hose from from up above and they have a kind of a extended period of whacking it with various things um before they finally managed to dispatch it and knock it to the ground and that oh. That jump scare really got me. It yeah, got me, me too. too. Me too. It got me too. Uh, we, <laughs> Even though also, I knew it was coming. I knew yeah. it was coming. I knew it was coming. And yeah, they, it, they, they waited the, the extra beat just perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Bearsu has also um, jumped and helped Changsan, who has managed to hold on to the hose from the last episode. And they have like a moment of laughing together because of this weird hug that they're doing. Um, but get into the classroom and everything seems to be fine. It's that scene with the hose that where things really start to take a turn for the worse because then Nayeon takes advantage of that to start accusing Gyeongsu of being acu- uh, being infected. She's also already called him a wealthy uh, in this in this episode or in this scene once they're in the recording studio, only making their undercurrent of aggression more pronounced. Um, and most people seem to be taking his side in just about everything because she has just been a yelling at everybody since we were even introduced to her character. She's pretty difficult to get a, to be around. And this is where I'm. This is where I think Mrs. Park just totally fails the the children because she consistently covers for. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, for Nayeon. Nayeon, like she consistently covers for Nayeon the entire time. Like every time. Nayan says something unreasonable or cruel. She's like, you shouldn't say that, but like, let's actually do what you're saying. Like, let's lock this kid in the recording studio. Let's do this other thing. And she's, she's like essentially deferring to the higher status student at, at literally every turn. I think uh, she, she's, she, she is, but also I will say like, he did have a bloody nose and he does have a scratch and we've seen how that's turned out. So I think that, that, while Nayan is annoying and horribly bitchy and how and like says things that have nothing, absolutely nothing to do with the fact that he may potentially be infected. It's just her being horrible. Um, I do think that there is a reason maybe to see what's happening with him. Um, but I do, you know, I think it's a she does. Mrs. Park does show later that she is just strangely defense. I don't know, defensive of Nayan. Um but, you know, this is a difficult scene because even though Nayan is being incredibly horrible, I just feel like after what we've seen in the other things and like it, it was the bloody nose that made me kind of be like, yeah, maybe it's a good idea to put him in a room for a minute. Right. I, um, I could see that. Like she's going for compromise or she's going for everybody to be unanimous. And I agree, Kyle, that it's it is helping this person who is underhanded and devious and not great but I don't think she's doing it. I don't, I didn't read it at least as her doing it out of subservience to the, her class uh, prestige or whatever. Um, I, I just, just saw her taking the, the theme too far from, from certainly the- that's a theme in the show. I just don't know that Mrs. Park is going to, is going to uh, subscribe to that stuff as, as an adult. At least I hope she wouldn't maybe. Yeah. But maybe it's subtle and I, yeah, I, it's like, but it's, but it is annoying. Um, so um, in, interspersed I... with all this, we also managed to get a laugh again where Desu and the glasses kid are like talking about which social media platform to check out and whether they have followers on Instagram or how many followers you have on, <laughs> on Facebook. Uh, like these are short. Maybe these are not supposed to be funny. Maybe it's supposed to be more like, oh, you're still worried about followers in a zombie apocalypse. 
kind of stuff, but um, I, I did kind of appreciate that. Of course, then Gyeongsu throws the computer out the window, um, ending ending that line of uh, of intel. You have another heartwarming scene with Chang San and, and Gyeongsu, um, where they they repeat the whistling of Old Lang Sign. Is that mm -hmm. how you say that? Old Lang, yeah, I think so. Um, so that's their that's their song. Uh, comes back later. But and... why is that their song? It's kind of a weird song to have as your theme song, right? It's a very weird song to have as your theme song. They w I do remember them whistling it together while they were walking out of the school, yeah. but I don't think they ever explained why that song. No. Also, Gyeongsu is a way better whistler than Chongsan, who seems a little bit tone deaf, but uh, it's it's <laughs> it's clearly their audio brand. So um, it, the fact that they he uses it later uh, is is very important, I guess. Right. But then there's, you know, he's trying to show solidarity to his friend, which I think his friend, you know, appreciates. But then there then it, it becomes the whole theme about uh, like, OK, well, he's not infected. So now you're and like <laughs> now now like he deserves an apology. And there's that whole thing, which is, you know, now Yun had said if he was not, she would apologize and then. Obviously, we see what happens here. And this is the part where I'm like, she, she's got to be pretty evil. And I, I, I have a hard time believing that somebody would do this. But I guess that's where we're going here to make her the full on villain. Oh. I, I kind of I loved I kind of loved this, like just how <laughs> incredibly horrible she truly turns out to be. Because, of course, what she does is she rubs her handkerchief on the zombie bloody a piece of of um, broken mop handle and then you know intentionally poisons um youngs you with that with that handkerchief and yeah she does put everybody in the room at you know huge risk and you know including herself uh just to prove a point but it it's a very dastardly and clever way to basically put her back in the right with everyone in the room because she gets to say at the end of this like look wasn't I you know I was I saved you all because you were willing to believe this you know this this guy about his injury so uh, I I kind of thought it was brilliant and and devious and tracked with her character as we've seen so far on the show well too bad Namra was paying attention because she called yeah. her out and Namra is so weird she's I'm, a very strange strange character she puts um, up that post-it note in the science lab and then later when she's reunited with Bersu kind of slaps him and she's yeah. like did you see my note like I I, <laughs> he's like no I was never there what are you talking about and of course I wasn't in the science lab it's full of zombies um, yeah but and then her yeah when she confronts Nyan later it's uh, it's again it's like this weird sort of cold affect she seems to have um which yeah i guess that's just part of her deal is she's she studies a lot she's kind of a sociopath but she's her heart's in the right place maybe right. <laughs> that... um but you know we do like i thought they were gonna like play that line out that they didn't wouldn't know that nyan had done this so the fact that they called this out almost immediately i was like oh well good so that this isn't just sort of this weird festering thing um, and I did like the choreography where it's like this, it's a very, you know, honestly, it's a pretty similar thing because now like 
you know, like Isak, this is this is Chansen's good friend. And so yeah. he's got to like get him out the window and he uses his weird whistling thing to do that. But and then we see him like run away. And, you know, just just to confirm how horrible a person she is, Nyan is like, well, he's not, you know, he's not dead. You saw him get up and run away. <laughs> and it's like, what? Um, so, you know, we, we've got the drama where now both he and uh, Anjo have lost like their best friends, basically. Um, so that maybe we'll see a little bit more of them talking about that later or something maybe. like that. But this is where Mrs. Yeah. Park, again, to me, like fails them um, because it's just like she she sides with them in that, you know, she's like, yeah, you killed him and you should be like, you shouldn't be in this group now. We can't trust you. But then, you know, kind of doesn't like take it back entirely, but kind of like runs like they basically essentially evict her out of the group and put her out in the hall. And or she kind of does that herself. Yeah, she she self evicts. Yeah, self evicts. Uh, self isolates. Self shuns. Um, but then Mrs. Park puts herself in danger by going after her. Um, so that's you know kind of I don't know I don't know how I feel about that, but it just doesn't seem to jibe with Mrs. Park protecting them. But she kind of gives a speech about well we shouldn't if we do this then we're not human anymore if we like let somebody die like this so even i will say that I, I i really liked that they did not drag this out like yeah. i was kind of worried that there was going to be like three episodes in the middle here where they were forced to kind of be like deferent to her because she had like quote unquote saved them and i was like oh man this is gonna be really obnoxious because i totally know that she infected that dude right um and so i was really grateful that it all happened like right in the moment right there that yeah agreed. you know we we were done with that pretty quickly as soon as Mrs. Park leaves and like pulls Nyan up a staircase or off out of the way of some zombies, a helicopter spotlight shines through the window. And that's the end of episode three. Um, really, there hasn't been there was a little more Chiang Sen trying to comfort Anjo before Gyeongsu died anyway, which she still isn't really wanting to hear. She's like, shut up. I don't want to hear it. You're not helping. But right. he's trying. And um, I'm hoping that this dynamic doesn't continue too long. They finally have Shang San come around and be able to say nice things to her. Like mm -hmm. the, this, this in, in the recording studio, he says like, it's going to be okay. Your dad is going to come and save us or some other people will. And you held on to the last second with Isak and you know, everything's going to be okay. And he's really, you know, he's not being his doofus self. It feels yeah. like Shang San at least has grown. Anjo is still a little bit boxed in. Yeah, uh, he's, he's yeah. you know, he's taking the turn and hope, I agree, I hope they just don't torture us with this ridiculousness, um, but I have a feeling they're going to, uh, at least on her end of things. Um, and then, you know, in like, and then I think we also, even the reference that he makes that her dad's going to come and then, you know, obviously we see where her dad is and what's going on there. And he kind of is looking towards where the high school is. I think we can see that he's, I suspect he's going to be the, I don't know. He's going to have to come to the campus at some point. Um, yeah. And so is Chung San's mom. Yeah. And she, <laughs> and both of them. They could ride on the moped together. 
maybe he can drive the moped better <laughs> but oh i think um, the moped is done uh, yeah this, she left it episode. behind she left it behind but um and then i think we do need to talk about the horrible scene in the restaurant with the the student that yeah. you know she gave birth in a bathroom left the baby there decide after seeing what's happening goes back as the baby ends up um at some point in the restaurant having been bitten and then ties herself with ribbons i'm not quite sure what she's doing here but you know, ties herself with ribbons and the baby's in the corner. So I got to say, this really got me. I have this I have this thing that's happening to me where essentially I I'm getting as my kids get older and older, I'm getting more and more uncomfortable with media that directly puts children in serious danger. And it's like it's like tied to the age of my own children, which is like a really like messed up and selfish part of my like lizard brain. <laughs> um, so like an eight-year-old in danger, I'm like, ah, whatever, he'll probably get out of it. But like a baby or like a toddler in danger and I'm like, oh God, I can't take this. I'm so stressed out. So the the this scene is so tragic and so sad. And, yeah. um, you know, her last like act as like a thinking human is to basically protect this baby that I'm sure that she didn't want or maybe didn't even know about until it was like happening. She, she puts the baby down in the corner and then goes and, and ties herself up uh, so that, you know, when she turns, she won't be able to reach the, the baby. And, um, and I just, it, 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 it almost broke me. This I was so goddamn sad. Yeah. Th- this baby better freaking get rescued in episode four um, or at least before too much time <laughs> goes by because newborns need to eat like every two hours yeah <laughs> this, this is not this is going to be extremely uh bad if it doesn't go the right way and i don't want another train spotting on my hands where a baby dies in a freaking movie not, no, not cool. and i i was definitely having flashbacks to like cargo um <laughs> you know that the whole thing with the dad and the baby and i think this is clearly meant to tug at our heartstrings and i i kind of feel like you know I hear you, Kyle, but I am not a parent. And even I was like, you know, oh, somebody better, better fight. Like, let's ha- let's not have this. Like what I was really worried about was that she wouldn't tie herself up in time and then it was just going to go that way. And I was relieved that that's not what they did. Yeah. Um, but I do hope that they show, I don't know, a daring rescue of this kid because I just like it's a, it's unbearable and probably deliberately so. Right. Like yeah. it's supposed to make you feel that like oh the baby's got to be like we've seen dozens if not hundreds of children die on this show so far and i'm just like <laughs> cone leg and like, <laughs> i know right this is just like baby and i'm just like no <laughs> so i know i know so anyway so maybe we'll see more in the next episodes but um i mean but baby I will... is in chunks and chicken so we have like there are there are story this is just such a funny sentence (laughs) there are story reasons for why someone will go there and save the baby and it's it could be chong san's dad who went off to file some forms could be chong san's mom i don't know she's probably focused on school either way there is a there's a rescue mission is feasible agreed agreed um but i will say as a whole i'm really enjoying the show I like it a lot. It's fun, Um, you know, despite maybe needing a little bit of editing in terms of like some of the repetition um, in in, you know, the storylines. I'm I think it's I think it's fantastic. So I'm looking forward to watching the next couple episodes and hoping that they are not, you know, having the issue that episode two was. But in terms of my my ability to stream parts of it, but 
Real quickly, any uh, predictions for episodes four and five? Are we going to see military uh, escalation? Are we going to see um, the two nerds on the roof team up with Mullet Bully and uh, Nyan to take over the world? What are we thinking? I feel like Mullet Bully and Nyan are going to have to somehow yeah. um, like join ranks because they're the both the the most horrible characters in the show. But they'll probably turn on each other because they're both horrible. Um, I think we get we're probably going to see more about uh, Chansen's mom and Anjo's dad, like coming. They they have to play like more of a part in coming in. Um, and I think what we're going to see is maybe the military is just. I mean, we we haven't seen it yet, but like the whole city's going down, and so I feel like there's going to have to be something where they're either going to rescue who they can and then ditch. Um, like nuke, nuke the city. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, or, or some um, kind of like walled city situation where they just yeah. like barricade everything. And yeah. then the kids are going to be caught behind the barricade or something. That's that's sort of. But I don't know if that is in the next two episodes or further down the line. But I feel like that's coming, right? Yeah, there's 12 episodes in this I show. I mean, because you got to contain it somehow. But yeah, yeah. We've, we've come a long way to only be by episode three. Essentially, you have like campus pretty much totally overrun city you know on the verge of being totally overrun um you know national assembly people like trapped in the in the assembly building so they've really ratcheted the stakes up a lot for only being 25 percent of the way through the show so some serious stuff has got to happen and I feel like something's got to play out with the National Assembly people where they find out what's going to happen with the military or something, right? Like, and which will maybe spur Andre's dad to come and get her or something. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, we'll have to, we'll have to, to see. Um, one thing, and- one thing that they did give us in this episode is lots and lots and lots of shots of the zombies being attracted to sound per your point mm-hmm. ha oh yeah um like so we saw uh like the there there was a scene where all the parents are calling like the school administration and just phones are ringing like in succession at the you know unmanned desk at the at the school office and the zombies are basically swarming to whichever phone is ringing mm-hmm so I think we're going to see lots of like, you know, luring the zombies down the hall with like some sort of like contraption, like Dune style or, um, you know, like the, just ways of manipulating how the zombies actually work as as the kids get kind of a slightly more savvy than they have been so far. So do you think it's going to be the kids or do you think there's going to be like a military effort to figure that out? I think both. Okay. I think the I think the kids are going to be the ones to come up with sound grenades or whatever. Yeah, it, it'll yeah. be. I think that's great. And I think Glasses Kid, I want to learn his name. Hopefully he stays around uh, because we still have like three red shirts in the in the recording studio. Ponytail Girl has been throwing mad shade at Nyan. I really like her for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another girl in a pink sweater with short hair. I don't remember her name. Um, and there's like another guy who's kind of like in between Chongsan and Bearsu in height. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's there's some people whose names we actually have not even really been introduced to. <laughs> So, but I'm looking forward to it. I am enjoying it. And, and I really, I just kind of like the choices that they're making, even if they're a little off-putting. Um, I think it's fun. And I, and I am like totally into the storyline. I'm, I'm having fun with this one. So I'm, I'm pretty psyched. Um, but also again, I don't know where we're going to go with this many episodes left. <laughs> so. My goodness. It could go anywhere. We could go to Busan. We'll find out. 
It could. It could. Um, well, so I guess we should sign off. It's this is a good long one. Uh, we will be back again next time to continue this journey, and I hope that everybody comes along with us. Uh, you can give us your thoughts on episodes two, three, one, two, three, whatever you like at Reanimated Pcast on Twitter, Reanimated Podcast at gmail.com. Our show notes are online at reanimatedpodcast.com. Uh, for me, COVID Stuart, I bid you adieu. <laughs> and I, I will say ciao and feel better, COVID Stuart. Second did. Uh, catch you on the flip side. Oh, <laughs> solid. Ooh, nice, Kyle. <laughs> solid. <laughs> took me, took me an hour and 40 minutes. I got one. <laughs> <laughs>